Do you have what it takes to conquer all the puzzles and take your rightful position as lab assistant? Well, let's find out with Dr. Brain this week on the Upper Memory Block Podcast. So what shall it be? Do you join the unity or do you die here? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 108 of the Upper Memory Block podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and as usual, I'm back with you once again to talk about a game from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. It has been (laughs) quite a a month. It is uh, the last day of the month, and uh, I almost didn't get the show um, out because I have been hella busy i was uh, away for a week on on work and um yeah life's just been pretty pretty nuts i'm pretty run down pretty tired uh, uh i think i might be taking a day off tomorrow just to sort of uh get get caught back up uh but uh yeah i mean it's uh it's basically summer it, it suddenly got very very hot outside and uh you know to the point where it's it's not very comfortable given the fact that this is you know Canada and whatever it's uh it's really hot really muggy today and uh I don't know we've just been having having a lot of stuff going on so I don't really know what else to say uh I've been having a lot of fun on on the YouTube channel I usually plug it at the end but uh I really do want to talk about it right at the beginning here um I have been I've been pretty good gotta say of uh of getting at least one video out a week uh in the middle of a Mech Warrior 2 uh playthrough so another episode of that will be coming out pretty Pretty shortly, a bunch of other ideas. Got some Dr. Brain videos up. So a lot more activity on the YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash umbcast. And um, yeah, uh, go over there, watch some videos, comment on the videos. We've got a couple of commenters uh, over there. And uh, yeah, just having a lot of fun. I kind of figure that that's a good way to get some some more stuff out just because, well, I got to be playing playing the games for the show already anyways so i might as well record those uh i might as well you know and i had an inkling you know way back when this all kicked off with me wanting to play wing commander 2 again so i that was my first sort of full let's play i moved that over to mech warrior 2 and i guess we'll see what i decide to do uh after that one but uh yeah just overall uh having having a lot of fun with the video editing and uh and you know messing around with uh some tools around that and all that so super fun youtube Hooray, but uh, let's get on with things. All right, so before we really get rolling, uh, we've got a couple of emails. A couple or just one? Just one. We've got one email at the, at the start here from HP, and HP writes, Hello, I'm writing to you from Germany. I just stumbled upon your podcast and liked it very much. You asked me on Twitter about memory. Uh, I'm 41 and I have a lot, but the two two of the most memorable are the following. Uh, one, a friend of mine was a huge X-Wing fan when it came out. He used the family PC, a 386DX, in the living room for playing. Uh, late in the game, the CPU cooler broke, and as we, were, uh, as we are living in a small village, it was not easy to get a new one. But uh, he wanted to play, 
Solution, he ripped off the case, took some cooling packs from the camping from camping to cool the CPU. Uh, he made breaks every hour for, for refreshing the packs, and he managed to finish the game that way. It was a very funny thing to see, the open desktop PC in the living room with the cooling packs on it. Uh, two, one of my best memories came from a mostly forgotten EA adventure, uh, The Lost Files of Sherlock Holmes, Case with the Serrated Scalp case of the serrated scalpel uh this game needed 29 megs of my 52 meg hard drive but it was worth it at that time i had a 386 sx 25 megahertz pc luckily without windows so i could free enough space it was also the first game i ever played with digitized speech uh, there was only speech in the intro but that blew me away at the time best regards and keep up the good work hp from germany well thanks hp and and now i do uh, i do remember that uh, twitter exchange that uh that we had and and you know if there's sort of the, the cooling packs or the ice packs that i'm thinking of for your first point there um he's lucky he didn't fry the machine because uh you know they don't really they don't leak liquid or anything but these uh these ice packs definitely do form uh condensation <laughs> and uh yeah he's lucky that uh none of that condensation dripped into anything that was uh any capacitors or anything like that that might not have gone uh quite quite so well and uh i i definitely know about some sherlock holmes games it's like sherlock holmes uh, consulting detective or or something like that and uh yeah was that one of these sherlock holmes games i guess it wasn't one of the because uh, i know one of my friends had had the sherlock holmes game that was fmv i think I didn't. I never played it. It wasn't a very fun game, according to him at the time. But uh, it worked on one of uh, on his uh, single speed CD-ROM drive. It was one of the few games that did work. I believe it was FMV, but uh, I can't be sure. So thanks for that, and uh, let's get rolling. You're listening to the Upper Memory Block podcast. Time for over. All right, so here we are with something that we again, surprisingly, uh, haven't really talked about before. This time around, we are diving into the Dr. Brain series. Uh, The Dr. Brain series is, depending how you look at it, either a series of two games or a series of six games. Uh, We'll talk about why that is later. Uh, The first game, entitled the, not the, entitled Castle of Dr. Brain. I always call it the Castle of Dr. Brain, but it is actually just called Castle of Dr. Brain, uh, was developed and published by Sierra in the year 1992. I believe that's correct. It might be 1991, but I'm pretty sure I wrote it down right. Anyways, uh, the main reason I say this is, uh, you know, I say that this is something we haven't really talked about before, is because even after six years, we're hitting a genre that I haven't touched before probably because i never played it much back in the day uh we are going to be looking here at our first edutainment game so an educational edutainment or ed or educational entertainment or edutainment game uh in in a game like this the primary goal is not necessarily to complete the game it's not necessarily to save the world it's not necessarily to get the best weapons or armor to crush your opponents and you know lament over their women or whatever that quote is uh but it is to uh to learn something and to to be educated uh the fact that uh you know edutainment games are entertaining 
uh, definitely plays a role in 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 the learning, but uh, it's very much secondary to the fact that uh, each aspect of the game is is really trying to explicitly communicate a lesson of some type to uh, to to the player. So, edutainment may in and of itself be a genre, but the the tainment part of edutainment of of the descriptor is is really pretty broad. Uh, the game mechanics of an edutainment title can can really be anything you can actually you know you can absolutely have a a side-scrolling shooter an adventure game an rpg or a turn-based strategy game anything like that that actually fall into the realm of edutainment Uh, you know the main goal uh at least as i see it is that uh the education aspect of of the experience takes a front seat over the game aspect of the experience uh you know there's many games that fall squarely into this box and there's many more that that you can definitely debate as an example, games like the Carmen Sandiego series that I haven't touched, uh, The Incredible Machine to a certain extent, uh, Mixed Up Mother Goose, and then things like that, they place their their lessons and their learning at the forefront with uh, their their associated game genres of puzzle and adventure and whatever as as frameworks to teach you about you know in Carmen Sandiego things like either geography or history uh, or you know, in the case of uh, Incredible Machine, uh, physics to a certain extent, and uh, in the case of Mixed Up Mother Goose literature. Uh, some some descriptions of edutainment also lump games like SimCity and Civilization and, you know, some historical flight sims like Aces of the Pacific and stuff like that, um, you know, in, in the edutainment uh, genre. You could make the argument that Civilization does teach you some things about ancient history and SimCity does teach you some things about civil engineering and urban planning. However, I'm I'm personally hesitant to classify such things as edutainment simply because here the setting or the game mechanic is is abstracted and it's used to push the gameplay versus the other way around for the previous set of games where the the gameplay is designed to push the educational angle. So you know, all that to say that while an edutainment game can come in many different forms, the main requirement, at least to this simple guy with a simple brain, is that a true edut- in a true edutainment game, the education comes first and the gaminess comes second. Uh, in our case, Dr. Brain is an edutainment game couched in a very light adventure game sort of framework. And, and when I say light, uh, I mean pretty much non-existent uh, to see what i mean let's let's move on you are listening to the upper memory block podcast okay so here we are at the story so despite the fact that castle of dr brain is touted as a sierra adventure game and is even built in sierra's second generation sci game engine there's not a ton of adventure game tropes here uh the first of which that i always like to talk about when i talk about an adventure game is the dependence on a a deep and compelling story or at least a funny and compelling story or at least a story of of some variety uh in the game's intro we see dr brain's castle da 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 perched atop a hill cloaked in darkness with uh with a very rickety bridge leading to it as lightning crashes we see that the castle is actually a bit more whimsical than we're initially led to believe Uh, as the game starts you as the player find yourself having crossed the bridge and are now face to face with the front door to dr brain's castle 
Why are you here? Well, the the full extent of the story lies uh, lies in the game's very minimal manual. And uh, instead of paraphrasing the seven sentences they used to describe the backstory, I may as well just read them. And I quote, Welcome to the castle of Dr. Brain. Dr. Brain is advertising for a lab assistant, and you just may be the one for the job. Bring your copy of the job and your best problem-solving skills and be ready to test your brain power. In Dr. Brain's castle, you'll need to apply a lot of different ways of thinking to solve the puzzles Dr. Brain has set up to test job applicants. Some of the puzzles require planning ahead, and others require the ability to recognize patterns. Still others depend on using logic, and all of them take persistence. If you don't solve a puzzle the first time through, keep trying, end quote. Well, that just about describes it, so let's jump into the game. So, as the game begins, we find ourselves standing in front of the large and imposing front door of Dr. Brain's castle. Uh, the door is flanked on either side by two pink flamingos. Uh, we're, we're quickly going to find out that the doctor has a certain sense of humor. Uh, either way, we need to get inside to begin this job interview. So since this is an edutainment title wrapped in a lightweight adventure game, the interface is similar. This is an SCI game that was developed using Sierra's second generation Sierra Creative Interpreter or Script something interface and something like that. The SCI had a couple of meanings, uh, but I usually say Sierra Sierra's Creative Interpreter, a game engine that rolled out initially with King's Quest IV in 1988. Uh, what does this mean from a gameplay perspective? Well, it means that uh, there isn't a parser and we are squarely in the point and click world uh you could use standard hotkeys to select your current action icon or right click if you had a two button mouse to sort of uh, scroll between your different uh your different actions and finally as most of us who've played a sierra adventure game from the sci days know if you move your mouse to the top of the screen an all too familiar drop down bar would appear showing you a single row of buttons which uh would allow you to select uh your current action or function Unlike other SCI-1 games uh, of this generation, like King's Quest V or Space Quest IV, Castle of Dr. Brain sported a very trimmed-down set of action icons, where these uh, pure adventure games uh, of the time had actions like look, use, talk, smell, taste, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know, Larry had, like, unzip. <laughs> uh, Dr. Brain went with a, a pretty slim set of basically two actions, look and use. Uh, in a way, this was sort of a portent of, uh, of things to come as as the adventure game genre became more mature, uh, the single click or left and right mouse click uh, interface, uh, you know, left left for use, right for look or one way or the other, uh, that became a lot more commonplace. However, I don't think here that they were really trying to tell the future. They weren't being, uh, you know, aspirational. They were just trying to make a simpler game. So aside from these actions, uh, the menu bar has uh, the ever-familiar Sierra inventory icon along with uh, a quick access window to uh, reselect the last item you selected. Uh, there's a button which uh, lets you return to the previous room that you were in. There's a, a settings icon 
uh, one for the help and one final icon with Dr. Brain's face on it. Uh, this icon describes the current room that you're in. I suspect they added this one because they needed something to fill up a bit of space in the, the menu bar since clicking the look icon just sort of anywhere on the screen uh, accomplishes that same thing. Now, you know, one thing that we do have to point out here and how this game differs very much from uh, from a standard uh, Sierra SCI adventure game is that uh, that return to previous room icon so you don't see you don't have a, an avatar on screen you are this is a, a first person view sierra game which uh i don't know if it's the only first person sierra pseudo adventure but uh if it's not then it's one of very very few so you don't actually uh move your character around the screen you simply click on items in the hallway and uh or items on the screen and that and some of those those actions will move you to another screen or with that back button will move you back to the previous screen so it's more of a a mist style uh sort of uh sort of viewpoint versus a more of a versus a more traditional sierra adventure type of a thing so with that in mind uh let's look around at the various items on the screen uh you, using the look action on a whole bunch of these things, uh, we're greeted by a whole host of uh, occasionally witty, sometimes corny, but never, never, never serious description of the various items of interest uh, that are strewn around Doctor Brain's castle. But uh, you know, enough, enough messing around with with the UI and 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 looking at things and blah blah blah. We really do need to get inside. So we click on the doorbell. And we quickly realize that, hey, the interview or the testing or whatever you want to call it has already begun. As you ring the doorbell, an, an audio visual pattern begins playing on the stone arch above the door. A spoiler alert mimicking the pattern over a certain number of steps will eventually unlock that door. It's sort of like a Simon, you know, boop, boop, boop. And then you go boop, boop, boop. That's sort of a an issue. Uh, now... Even this first puzzle reveals uh, another somewhat unique aspect that uh, Dr. Brain has over and above other Sierra adventures. Uh, in the top right of the standard uh, SCI uh, menu bar, we see the word, sorry, the title bar that runs across, you know, on the left, it says Castle of Dr. Brain. And on the right, where it usually shows your score in other Sierra games, we actually see the words novice level. Yes, Dr. Brain has adjustable difficulty levels. Uh, you can switch between novice, standard, or expert. Each level offers increased puzzle difficulty and more points for completing puzzles. So as you complete the door puzzle, you're awarded with a puzzle completion plaque, which uh, commemorates your uh, accomplishment of solving, uh, solving each puzzle puzzle that gets added to your inventory this proves to dr brain that you did in fact solve the puzzle uh, you are also awarded uh, a hint coin for every puzzle that you solve successfully so hint coins can be used at any time uh, to buy hints to puzzles you may have trouble sort of figuring out on your own use them at your own risk however for each hint coin you have in your possession i.e you have not used by the end of the game, that that awards you additional points. Does this matter? Not really. But, you know, if you're a completionist, then you may want to consider hanging on to them to get the maximum number of points. Uh, I know a lot of people that play 
uh, Sierra Adventures do like to get all the points, and uh, it is frustrating at times when I think it's one of the police quest games where you can't actually get all the points, and uh, that's sort of one of those uh, hanging uh, issues that people uh, often complain about. Entering the castle deposits you into the game's first hall, where you're faced with a variety of math challenges and the ever-popular sliding tile puzzle. Uh, Unlocking the door at the end of the hall faces you with a clock room and uh, some time-based puzzles. So each of the game's three halls ends in a three-dimensional elevator maze that uh, you have to navigate using a first-person view and a simple 3D map. Now, getting to the end of the maze deposits you into the next hall. Each hall has a basic theme, uh, math, computers, and uh, the tower planetarium, which focuses on uh, puzzles around the stars. The game culminates in a set of puzzles in Dr. Brain's very own office. Should you succeed here, your chances of being offered the position of lab assistant are almost certain. You're listening to the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Time for... Okay, tech focus time. So to run Castle of Dr. Brain, you needed at least a computer. <laughs> Basically, an 8088 or 8086 CPU, a DOS 3, 640K RAM, and either EGA, MCGA, VGA, or Tandy graphics, depending on the version that you bought. Now, this is something I don't remember super well. For some reason, no, no, I think that that's that was true of all uh, all SCI games at least where you had to buy either the ega or cga or or or, sorry the ega cga i don't even think there was a cga no ega mcga or vga so the ega the vga or the the tandy version of the game you didn't get like all the graphics modes with every uh every iteration of the game so basically uh you needed a computer that had color graphics to play this game and uh you know had a processor sound wise all the standard sound hardware was supported from uh, the pc speaker to the ad lib to obviously all the various flavors of sound blaster to the mt32 and everything else uh in between the disney sound source was supported uh, all of that so basically just a, a standard whatever standard sci1 uh games supported this game supported as well so we'll end up talking about some of this a little bit more in the dev story but as i've mentioned castle of dr brain is built on sierra's sci engine uh, this newer generation of engine was a huge leap over the uh, older agi or adventure game interpreter engine uh, sci zero the first version of the engine used on king's quest 4 was uh you know one of the big features was it sported a parserless icon-based interface and supported 16 color graphics at 320 by 200. SCI-1, 
which launched with King's Quest V and uh, ran this particular game, supported all of that stuff and 256 color VGA graphics. Uh, I believe I've talked about AGI and SCI uh, quite a bit in detail over the life of the show. Uh, if you'd like a, a detailed rundown of them, jump back into previous Sierra Adventure game episodes. Uh, I may do another rundown of these one of these days, but uh, I'm pretty tired this month. Uh, you know, suffice it to say, uh, SCI supported more graphics modes, more sound hardware, and uh, from a programming perspective, the the biggest difference, and it's a big one, is that uh, AGI was a, a procedural uh, scripting engine. So it basically ran the code you wrote. And if you wanted something to happen in a bunch of different places in your code, you had to you know write that code in a bunch of different places. Uh, SCI is an object-oriented uh, scripting engine which means you could have uh, different uh, programming classes, a class being a, a, a representation, an abstract representation of a thing. And then you could create many different instances of that class, which are considered to be objects, which are you know, specific versions of that generic thing that have uh, you know, specific uh, attributes. So say you had a, a car class and you know that car class had properties like tires and engine and number of seats then one instance of a car could have you know 17 inch tires and two seats and a you know six cylinder engine and another instance of the car class could have 12 inch tires and a you know three cylinder engine and four seats so that's sort of how that works. I definitely go into more detail on that in, in previous episodes. So yeah, jump around uh, and uh, if you're at all interested or send me an email and I can uh, explain it to you in a bit more detail. But uh, yeah, woo. Uh, interestingly, getting on with things, <laughs> aside complete, uh, this game uh, involved sort of a cross-section of, of well-known Sierra staffers. And, uh, you know, we usually get into that into the dev story, but I usually like to talk about the music here because, you know, we're listening to it in the background. The music composition team is uh, is really no different uh, in, this, uh, in this game. The game's music was composed by two of our favorite Sierra composers, Ken Allen and Mark Siebert, who we've talked about before when we covered other Sierra games like King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest, and uh, other games that end in the, the word quest. Uh, these guys do great work, and uh, that's just as true on this game as any other. Uh, this game, in fact, some of the tracks, I mean, obviously some of the tracks are, are based on uh, some public domain type music uh, in the intro, and then some of the uh, the tracks in the various rooms. Uh, other tracks, I can't help but feel were also inspired by, by other games, uh, the music in the computer room on the, I think it's the second floor. That one track sounds very suspiciously reminiscent of uh, of some of the uh, the music from SimCity 2000. It's very, po- I have to go look at dates. I can't remember if this game or SimCity 2000 came out first. Uh, if this is 92, I think SimCity 2000 came out before that. But anyways, you know, there's that do, 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 that, that sort of track in uh, SimCity 2000 and the song, music, whatever you want to call it, soundtrack in that computer room 
sort of has that same little melody to it, which uh, sort of threw me off at first. If you go watch, uh, I think it's the first or second, well, one of my two YouTube videos. Again, sorry, my brain is tired. (laughs) One of my first, one of my YouTube videos, I, I comment on it and you can hear that track and it is, it is certainly reminiscent. Not that that means anything uh, either way. The game's music, honestly, in my mind, is one of its highlights and it works really well to uh, to set the slightly quirky mood and tone of the game and also to keep you entertained while you solve puzzles. You're listening to the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Time for... Okay, dev story time. So, Castle of Dr. Brain was created by Corey Cole, 50% of the husband and wife development team known simply to uh, to the world as the Coles. Uh, we'll talk about Lori Cole in more detail when we do eventually, and I think hopefully pretty soon, cover the Quest for Glory series. But uh, Dr. Brain belongs uniquely to Corey Cole. Uh, so the couple, again, we're going to talk about both of them to, to a certain extent, uh, were, were actually avid Dungeons & Dragons fans. And uh, before being hired on at Sierra, Corey actually sold a pen and paper RPG that he designed and uh, you know, to a to a game company, and uh, the couple also published a monthly D and D newsletter. Uh, well, he did have a keen interest in role playing games of the analog variety. Uh, Corey's day job was that of a highly skilled systems programmer. Uh, when he took a job at Sierra in 1988, it wasn't uh, at least on the surface to make games. Uh, his first task as a Sierra programmer, and I mean pure programmer was porting the SCI engine over to the Atari ST. Uh, Even when embroiled in game design tasks a little bit later on, uh, his programming skills were always in use. He was regularly called back over to the pure development side of things to contribute to uh, programming uh, enhancements to newer versions of SCI. It'd be interesting to know what, uh, I assume SCI was probably built in uh, in Assembler or maybe C, but probably Assembler. Anyways, I'd have to go and look at that. But uh, anyways, his wife, Lori, uh, would come on board as lead game designer on Heroes Quest, which was later renamed Quest for Glory. Uh, Lori designed the adventuring system uh, in the game and, uh, and Corey implemented it. And uh, according to him, apparently he implemented it uh, pretty quickly and with very few bugs, at least according to a... Uh, a recent interview uh, around their their Kickstarter game. Uh, the couple would go on to release Quest for Glory 2 in 1990. Uh, both games were quite successful. And uh, now, with two games under their belts, uh, the Coles split their attention. Uh, despite being credited as a game designer on Quest for Glory 2, uh, Corey hadn't ever really designed a game completely on his own at Sierra. It was always with his wife in the lead creative role with him contributing, but also taking on more of the technical aspects of the game. So 
Now that 1991 was rolling around, uh, Laurie went off to direct the development of mixed-up fairy tales, and Corey was tapped to create another educational title, Castle of Dr. Brain. Now, this suited him quite well, as one of his big contributions to the Quest for Glory series outside of his, uh, his programming work was on uh, the creation of the game's uh, adventure-type puzzles. Now, now, one thing I couldn't find is whether the idea to do an edutainment title was, uh, was his or if it was just something that sort of came down on high from, uh, from Ken Williams or some other uh, Sierra management. My suspicion is that is probably the case because it is sort of a left turn from, from the other games that he had been uh, creating and would go on to create after. And it is also interesting that both he and Laurie uh, did go off and do sort of edutainment games at the same time. So I do think it was sort of a, uh, a directive as opposed to uh, a passion, <laughs> let's say. But, uh, you know, even if that were the case, uh, seems like it turned out pretty well. So let's, let's, let's dive in a little deeper. So, you know, most puzzle games, especially at the time, and uh, probably even today, are really designed to be like mind-breakingly hard, a massive challenge, and, and you know, they really end up not being very cohesive. They just sort of end up looking like a bunch of strung together mini games that you accomplish, you know, just sort of for the sake of, uh, of accomplishing them. I mean, this, this does not include Myst and other games like that. But, um, you know, Corey didn't want to do just a whole lack of, uh, of mini games. Uh, he took his experience on Quest for Glory and he molded a truly interesting, if quirky world... And uh, a truly interesting and motivational, at the very least, a context for his puzzles to live in. So Castle of Dr. Brain was designed to encourage the player to, to work their way through puzzles, uh, not to challenge them and beat them over the head and tell them that they're dumb and why haven't they figured it out yet. Uh, it's a truly positive, truly encouraging, and truly well-intentioned game. Now, the difficulty level, as we said, could uh, could be adjusted, but what we didn't say was it could actually be adjusted at any time, even after you started a puzzle. Uh, hit point hit coins could be used at the lowest or the highest uh, levels to get help. Uh, Castle of Doctor Brain really did stand out from the the puzzle game pack in in that regard. So, under schedule and under budget, a fact Corey has posted and mentioned in many interviews and even does include uh, in the context or in the text of the game, Castle of Dr. Brain released in, in 1991. So I was correct. I, I mis misspoke right at the top of the show. The original Castle of Dr. Brain did release in 1991, not 1992. Uh, and it released to great reviews. I even went back into, uh, there's this really, really great website that uh, I think I knew about, but I never really dove into called uh, CGW Museum. Sorry, that's cgwmuseum.org. And it's actually a, an archive of all old Computer Gaming World uh, magazine. So uh, I jumped in and, and read the review of uh, of Dr. Brain because it is nice when you're sort of, you know, I, I look at these games from, you know, whether or not they hold up today, but it is also nice to read reviews at the time to see things and pointers that... Um, that reviewers pull out because, you know, we may not find the graphics or the sound or the game design impressive at this point, but in the context of the time, uh, things are very different. So that's something I do fairly regularly. If you wanted to know, <laughs> you may or may not, but, um, so, you know, a lot of these reviews, not just, uh, the one that I read, 
praised the game's uh, world building and quirky style in addition to the flexible gameplay, uh, which appealed to uh, to reviewers and, and to kids alike. Uh, the game was a great success, and uh, as you complete the game, apparently there was some, uh, some succession planning in place or some road mapping in place, you are immediately told that more adventure awaits you in the upcoming sequel, The Island of Dr. Brain. So one year later... Uh, second game, Island of Dr. Brain, released. It picks up where the first game leaves off. Uh, you are in Dr. Brain's inner sanctum. And uh, maybe it doesn't start where the game leaves off. Maybe some time has passed because uh, Dr. Brain explains that the plans for his latest project have been stolen. However, he left one detail out of his notes. The contraption requires a special battery to operate. Uh, the battery is stored on Dr. Brain's private island, so you, the ever-faithful lab assistant, are sent off to overcome a series of grueling puzzles on Dr. Brain's island, where, at the end, you should find the coveted battery. Uh, island of Dr. Brain did not review as well as the original game. It's still not bad, but uh, it definitely wasn't quite as popular. Uh, it appears Corey Cole was not involved in the project at all, as he was likely off working on Quest for Glory 3 at the time. Uh, a totally new team built up this game, and while it looks similar to the original, uh, the puzzles are reportedly, and based on my uh, interactions with it, uh, a little bit less fun. And uh, overall, the reviewers stated the game seemed... A little bit more like a disconnected set of tutorials instead of the cohesive and fun puzzle experience that the first iteration of Dr. Brain was. So uh, four more games came out under the Dr. Brain name uh, a couple years later. Uh, they are Dr. Brain Thinking Games Puzzle Madness, Dr. Brain Thinking Games IQ Adventure, uh, Action Reaction, and The Adventures of Dr. Brain. However, these games were developed by a completely different company. Uh, Dr. Brain was recast as a young man, and uh, while they were still technically classified as puzzle games, they were definitely much more action-oriented than the first two games. I'm not too sure how they sold, but I, I'm not really even focusing on them because they're so different. They're not from Sierra. They came out, I think, more closer to the, like, the year 2000 or something like that, and they just don't really fit i think in 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 the series so you know they are what they are so what does the future hold for dr brain well as far as i can tell not a whole lot directly however as a lot of us do know the coals are inching closer and closer to the release of their long-awaited kickstarter game hero you rogue to redemption which is a sort of spiritual successor to an extent to the uh the quest for glory series i backed it years ago i think uh i think the kickstarter launched back in, in 2012 when i first started the show uh and you know as, as far as i can see uh this the development of this game has been very very challenging uh, for the Coles, I believe at one point a couple of years ago, they even uh, either mortgaged or sold their house 
uh, to keep things going. But, you know, they're still updating their site. The last update was like a few days ago, and the game is deep in beta testing. I think I may even have beta access to it, and uh, I just haven't quite jumped in yet. So while we don't seem to be getting more Dr. Brain, we will soon get more of the Coles. And uh, I'm sure, again, as I said, closer to the uh, the full release of, of that game, I may that's when I may peg the, the Quest for Glory series for for review and uh you know give them a little plug but if you want to go pre-order that game you can uh, definitely go uh google uh hero you rogue to redemption and uh and throw them some pre-order because uh i think we should support some people making some games you are listening to the Upper all right so where can you get any of the Dr. Brain games today. Well, I really only looked around for, for the first two, uh, for, for Castle and Island of Dr. Brain. And unfortunately, it appears that uh, Dr. Brain, and in fact, most of the uh, Sierra Discovery series type uh, type games are not among the, the Sierra titles that have made it over to, to GOG. So it seems like the only real way to get Dr. Brain is to, you know, get the discs via eBay or some other kind of online uh, auction type, you know, resell site, or, you know, obviously through through more shady means if uh, if you are amenable to that sort of a thing. But uh, yeah, no, no real quick way to get Dr. Brain, unfortunately. Say whatever is in your mind freely. Our conversation will be kept in strict confidence. All right, so we've got a couple of emails here focusing on uh, on Dr. Brain. So let's jump over to them. The first email comes from Chris, and Chris writes, Hello, Joe and fellow UMB blockers. That's a little redundant, isn't it? UMB blockers, upper memory block blockers. Nah, I think that sounds good. Or if you're an upper memory block blocker, does that mean you block the upper memory block? I really am tired of time. <laughs> okay. Hello, Joe and fellow UMB blockers. I really enjoyed your last podcast about The Last Express, Joe. I vaguely remember seeing that game box in a bargain bin back in college during the late 90s. Unfortunately, I thought the cover looked kind of cheesy, so never bothered picking it up. I figured there it was there for a reason. But now hearing you and others talk it up, I will definitely put it on my GOG wish list. Wow. Castle of Dr. Brain. I remember this game well. It was one of the first games I got to try on my new, at the time, 386 PC in the early 90s, after upgrading from a 16-color Tandy 1000. I remember being blown away with the beautiful, surreal scenery and the funky music intro. Uh, I loved the atmosphere and interesting puzzles. I really enjoy puzzle solving with shapes, logic, and numbers, so it was right up my alley with enjoyment. I have lots of fond memories starting the game up and working my way through. This one for sure added to my excitement of trying out new Sierra Online titles. Uh, For some reason, I never tried the sequel Island of Dr. Brain, so looking forward to hearing about this game too. I also wanted to share that I stumbled across a new history of gaming documentary series on our Canadian broadcaster CBC's website the other day. They were released in April of this year. I jumped ahead to the LucasArts one, but plan to watch the others. It's well done and an interesting glimpse into the past founders' evolution and innovations of the gaming industry. Unfortunately, it's region locked in Canada. I sent an email to ask if they can unlock these or at least put in Netflix for our friends in the US and Europe. I'm a part owner because of ta- because taxes pay for this broadcaster. So hope they listen, hosers. <laughs> so here's a link uh, for those who can view in Canada. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes because it's a little uh, 
a little GUID-y, <laughs> globally unique identifier. So uh, it's not really fun to read out loud. Uh, take care and keep on blocking in a free world. Yeah, I'm in a mood today, folks. Anyways, thanks so much, Chris. And uh, given that I am also Canadian and my taxes also pay for the CBC, I am going to watch some of these. But... <laughs> You know, I'll I'll post the link so any uh, any of you Canadian uh, Canadian blockers or uh, blockers outside the rest of the world who uh, don't mind VPNing into Canada uh, can uh, can give it a watch. All right, so thanks a lot, Chris. Next, we have an email from Father Beast uh, guest guest host extraordinaire Father Beast, and he writes, "Hello, Joe and fellow blockers. This." is father beast in continuing to troll the internet for more podcasts about classic games that i like i found a few more uh, dos game club was referenced by joe himself on twitter and talks about a different dos game no surprise there every month they have about 15 episodes so far and it looks like a good start abnormal mapping is another podcast that does classic games both from pc and from consoles and while fairly console heavy it has episodes on doom max Payne, mist minecraft grim fandango and roller coaster tycoon 2 among others not as old or as pc focused as i prefer but still covers some gems new game plus was suggested to me by the guys over at eaten by a Gru. i'm glad they did their shtick is that three guys play one game for seven days and then talk about it at the end of each episode, they use the randomizer on their big list of 15 or more year uh, of games 15 or more years old in order to choose the game for next week. The name doesn't exactly say classic gaming, but this has quickly become a favorite. Now, on to the episode. Castle of Dr. Brain was acquired fairly early in the days of my wife and I having a PC. I'm not sure exactly where we got it, but we did have a manual, so I'm pretty sure it was fairly legitimate. This was a lot of fun, despite being an edutainment title. In fact, we thought it was just a puzzle game, not an overt game to get kids to do schoolwork, like uh, the Clue Finder series. Uh, there is a great variety in the puzzles, from Simon at the game doorstep to the part where you have to do a jigsaw puzzle of the room that you are in in order to form a door to the next room. Uh, there's also a difficulty slider, which you can adjust on the fly to make each part more or less challenging. Uh, I'm going to focus on one puzzle to show how the difficulty ramps up. There's one room where you have to use one of three robot heads, where one always does what he is told, one always does the opposite, and one alternates. It's a sort of a variant of the two doorknobs in the movie Labyrinth, where one always lies and one always tells the truth. Anyway, after attaching a head to the machine, you have to program a set of instructions on a card and then insert the card into the machine to have the robot execute the instructions. It's pretty straightforward once you have the right head, but when you hop the difficulty up, the good head breaks after the first use, so you have to write the instructions to do the opposite of what you want, or worse, alternate. You are given a hint coin with each puzzle you complete, and I almost always abuse the save function by saving before using a hint coin and then reloading after reading the hint, a practice known as save scumming. Now, it's even possible to save scum past the copy protection, I sat down and played this in a couple of hours on novice difficulty during the last couple of weeks, and I had just as much fun as before. The terrible puns scattered through the game kept me entertained, and the puzzles never got boring. Uh, it was a bit short, and I was a bit disappointed when it was over. I wanted to play again. Uh, there were th three sequels that I know of, and I got them all. 
The Island of Dr. Brain on six three and a half inch floppies, The Lost Mind of Dr. Brain on CD uh, were acquired through thrift stores, but I never played either one until this month. I bought The Time Warp of Dr. Brain at a, a new Kmart and we did play that. Time Warp has something of a different format than Castle uh, since it gives you a selection of puzzle types to choose from rather than having to solve each section of puzzles before moving, before moving on to the next one. Uh, my wife was a fan of getting on and doing logic puzzles. I played Island just this month, but it seems much like Castle, just bigger and more, but it still has the same kind of bad puns. All in all, I would recommend the Dr. Brain games, especially Castle, to fans of puzzle games. Like I said, I played it again recently after many years and had lots of fun. Well, I love the show and I'm still working on my next entry, Father Beast. Well, thanks, Father Beast. And I'm just going to roll back in my uh, my notes here and see because I feel like you named some different sequels than I did. Let's see. Puzzle Madness, IQ Adventure, Action Reaction. Huh. So there may be some other, uh, some other games that I, I didn't come across, though I didn't think that I saw those on Wikipedia or anything like that. Time Warp of Dr. Brain. Huh, interesting. Okay, so yeah, I definitely did miss a couple of uh, a couple of sequels, so I do apologize for that. And, uh, you know, you guys might see that this episode's a little bit shorter. And, and really, the, the reason for that was a, is a bit strange, just because uh, usually I don't have a lot of trouble, or even if I do have trouble, I do end up finding, uh, you know, finding things on, uh, on these games. And there actually was not a ton of, uh, yeah, see, I'm looking at the box of Lost Mind of Dr. Brain, and I remember this, this box. Uh, that one came out in 94. Yeah, because usually they have like a a top level thing in the Doctor Brain series. Yeah, and those—that's interesting. So the main Doctor Brain series Wikipedia article talks about the first two games, and then oh no, there they are. Okay. All right, so after after the second Doctor, after Island of Dr. Brain was was released, and guys, this is not what I normally do, but I'm sort of just reading off uh, off Wikipedia on the fly here just to, uh, to complete my thoughts. But uh, yeah, so Sierra uh, acquired a company called Bright Star Technology, which was known for, for the educational games that it had. And uh, they then took the, sent the Dr. Brain series over to this, this Bright Star Technology team and so you know the 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 last two sierra games the lost mind of dr brain from 1995 and the time warp of dr brain from 1996 are they change direction sort of a thing that they're not quite the same and you know as father b said it seems like instead of progressing through a a pseudo story and progressing through the game the puzzles linearly you could just choose uh, those things. So thanks father beast. That was super great because you, you found something that I had missed because I didn't read the, uh, the second paragraph of the, uh, of the main Dr. Brain Wikipedia article, which, cause usually the way I do these things, is I sort of start from Wikipedia and then Wikipedia takes me places and it makes me start doing some Google foo. And then I start looking for developer interviews and 
reviews and uh, other you know development type information about uh, about the game. So you know, as as Wikipedia as my launching point, it usually helps if I read the Wikipedia entries in detail so that I find out that there are actually four. So I actually need to go back to the beginning of the episode and amend my overview statement where I said, uh, you know, the series is uh, two games or six games when in fact it is actually four games or eight games. And and those other ones being uh, those thinking games, puzzle madness, blah, 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 sort of uh, more action-y Dr. Brain games by Knowledge Adventure. So thank you, Dr. or Dr. Beast. Maybe you should get promoted to Dr. Uh, Father Beast. Um, and Father Beast did actually send a follow-up email, and uh, he writes, yes, and that's the follow-up of, of just what I said. Hi, Joe, just a quick note. Looking among my collection, I discovered three more Dr. Brain games, which are called Dr. Brain IQ Adventures, Dr. Brain Action Reaction, and Dr. Brain Puzzle Adventure. I cannot get these to install on my Windows XP computer, and DOSBox says they require Microsoft Windows, so I'm guessing that they were Windows 3.1 games. I guess I'll try them out once I get my Windows 98 computer going again. The Lost Mind of Dr. Brain... Uh, was also also has this problem. I did play some of the time work of Dr. Brain since my last email and was somewhat disappointed in it. You can choose between eight different puzzles and half of them aren't very good. Ah, well, Castle and Island are still good. Father Beast. So thanks for that follow-up, Dr. Beast. Dr. Beast, I'm really tired. <laughs> I keep Dr. Brain, Father Beast. <laughs> That's how this works. Sorry, guys. Woo, I am punchy today. So yeah, good, really great info there. And uh, I know why you are my co-host extraordinaire or a uh, guest host extraordinaire. Cause uh, you do the research that I miss. Hi, I'm the space quest historian, but I very much recommend that you listen to the upper memory block podcast where Joe Mestriani talks about games from the DOS and pre windows XP gaming. Okay, so does Dr. Brain hold up today? Well, I'm not a massive fan of puzzle games. I may have mentioned this before, uh, probably when I cov- covered uh, covered Mist and things like that. I'll say this, uh, even though I'm not uh, a big fan of, of puzzle and edutainment games, this sort of holds up. It does. Uh, the art and the music in the game are, are really wonderful. Uh, the sense of humor is generally funny at times, a little bit grating cause the puns are a little too punny, but, uh, you know, it's generally enjoyable and the puzzles, well, you know, they're a little simple for an adult are definitely interesting and challenging. Uh, if you have a child who's getting into math logic and, uh, and, other things like that. And, you know, frankly, Dr. Brain is not made for adults. So putting yourself back in a kid's shoes definitely puts it into perspective. Uh, the second game is also fun. I didn't play through it enough to notice whether or not the reviews I read about the puzzles are, are uh, you know, not being very good, whether or not those reviews are justified. Uh, the game still looks and sounds really, really good. So, you know, if, if you want to give these a go yourselves or you want to challenge your kids to some edutainment uh, and you can get your hands on it, which is sort of the other challenge, uh, you should play Dr. Brain because it's fun. And to be honest, you know, I say, oh, this is a game for children, but 
I did find some of the puzzles a little bit challenging. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. So yeah, you guys should uh, should most assuredly give it a go. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I thought this was actually going to end up being a shorter show, but it's uh, about on on time, usually because uh, because I rambled enough. <laughs> uh, next time, I'm going to be hitting another genre that that I don't think I've touched before either: uh, the fighting game with uh, the One Must Fall series. Uh, that should be super interesting. I remember playing One Must Fall, not a ton, but but definitely a little bit. Uh, you know, back back in the day with. Uh, with some of my high school friends. So as always, you can send email or audio comments to podcast at umbcast.com. Big thanks to Rick Moyer for his great audio work. You can find his stuff over at moyermultimedia.com or if you are in the uh, kind of the uh, Pacific Northwest region, he's also on the radio over there and uh, you can you can hear him do his thing. Uh, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, you can support me over at patreon.com slash UMB cast. Uh, I put a, a little feeler out to the to the patrons uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, I had traditionally put uh, my my Patreon payments out uh, per podcast episode. And uh, now that I've moved to monthly and you know, I'm doing a bit more stuff on the YouTube channel and uh, hoping in June or, or, you know, later in June or July to get the uh, the Hangouts back up and running and all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I've considered and uh, the patrons have not said no to, to switch that uh, payment frequency to monthly instead of per episode since I still put out a podcast episode once per month. So in theory, nothing should change and it'll just let me uh, be a bit more flexible. So... So I thought I'd let everyone know, uh, you know, just for full transparency and all that. I'm uh, I'm not out to take anyone's money or be sneaky about it. So uh, yeah, that'll pro- that hasn't happened just yet. So this one will still be uh, a per episode, and then probably uh, in uh, in June I'm gonna flip over to that new uh, that new setup. Uh, you can check out the show notes and uh, you know for this show and all the other shows over at umbcast.com also a bunch of links to get anywhere you need to get or over there join the facebook group over at facebook.com slash group slash umbcast uh, we've got a discord uh, you can ping me on uh, on twitter at uh, <laughs> twitter.com slash umb show if you want a uh, a little hookup uh, an invite to that discord uh, channel we, we chat a little bit here and there it's uh it's not totally dead it's <laughs> it's fun here and there and sometimes we get a little bit animated uh and you can find the show on youtube at youtube.com umbcast where where i put up a whole bunch of fun videos like i said at the top of the show subscribe to the show on itunes stream us live at stitcher radio and that is that and we will see you next time for one must fall here in the upper memory block battle control terminated you've been listening to the upper memory block podcast with joe mastriani for more information on the podcast visit umbcast.com that's umbcast.com Write to Joe today at podcast at umbcast.com. That's podcast at umbcast.com. So what shall it be? Do you join the unity or do you die here? Join.